Let's do this thing, shall we? All right, so we are going to talk about the rapture again, part two. Um, I'm excited about this one, uh, this part of it, because I think there's going to be some interesting things that we'll talk about this morning. Um, But before we do that, I want you guys to give me a little bit of a recap. So we talked about basically point one, point two, and then point three down to letter F. You need a study sheet? Anybody else need a study sheet? Brandinian needs one. Yeah, and Colin. And Colin. Would it be too awkward if I just went like this? So this morning. <laughs> be a little weird. Thank you for participating Kay. this morning. So we talked about that uh, last week. And so just give me a little bit of a recap. What do we talk about? Or what are the things that really stood out to you? Or maybe something that you did not realize before about the rapture. That it's gonna happen. Yeah, good. Just about like the seven-week prophecy. Okay. Yep. Yep. And the rapture is kind of like that last event, just prior to the final seven weeks or seven years. That last week. Yep. Good. What else we got? The twinkling of an eye. Twinkling. That little sparkle you have in your eye. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Come on. I'm not moving forward until we know what we're talking about. Noah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the Noah translation. Dead people go flying. Actually, they, they are alive before they go flying. So the dead becomes alive, and then they go. So, yes, yes, there, yeah, there you go. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> but hey. All the dead bodies go flying. Yeah, the dead bodies. That out of the ground. Previously dead bodies. Previ- there you go. See, words matter. Words matter, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. Um, I liked how we went over, like, each way or term rapture is used in the Bible. Like, I never knew that God translates. <coughs> yeah. Yep, yep, very good. Yep, that's good. What else we got? <coughs> yes? I never noticed that, like, the word rapture. Yeah. Yep, that's cool. Anything else? All right. Okay, so what is the chapter or chapters that you go to? Like, let's say, for example, don't look at your study sheet. Let's say, for example, you have someone come up to you and say, you know, and you start talking about it and you get on the topic of the rapture and you don't have a study sheet with you, you just have your Bible. What chapters in your Bible would you go to? Do you know Elliot? No. He has a Revelation. Revelation is a book. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in Revelation. So you would probably see, this is very important and I'm asking this for a reason. So you go somewhere in Revelation. There is a place in Revelation that we kind of talk about it a little bit. Anybody else? You could use, could you use Acts 1-8, kind of. I mean, it's not really rapture, but it's like, I mean, it's Jesus ascending. Yeah, Jesus ascending, but you won't be talking about the rapture. That's not going to be an authoritative place to go to on the rapture. What do you think? Somewhere in Thessalonians. Somewhere, maybe, maybe. I remember we were in Thessalonians. Josh, you got an answer? Revelation chapter 4. Which one? Of what? Revelation? Yeah, yeah Revelation 4.1. That's also one of the raptures. It's not really clear, but it is a good one to go to. It's kind of a support passage. Ethan, you know? Um, I think, like, I'm pretty sure there is a chapter in First Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. There is. Which one? Is it, was it, like, chapter 4 and, like, yes. verse 18? Yes, down 18? there. Yep, oh, you had a 1 in 4 chance. You got it. You got it. Yeah, yeah, chapter four. Chapter four. So First Thessalonians chapter four is the main one. Where else would you go? 
1 Corinthians 15. Those are the two big ones, two big ones. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Thessalonians 4 would be more for what? Anyone remember? Why would you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? All right, turn there. Turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it starts off in like verse, about verse 14, 14 to the end of the chapter, into chapter 4. Read that really quick and tell me why would you go to that passage? Okay, save people. You got the rapture. What? Why else? What does this chapter give you? The description of what happens. The description of what happens. And specifically... Lydia. Lydia, sorry, I didn't see your hand. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the key word there is the dead in Christ will rise first, and then, so what does that give you? Timeline, order of events. All right, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 gives you kind of like the order about how everything's going to occur. Now, what about 1 Corinthians 15? Why would you go there? And if you don't know, turn there. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm putting you guys on the spot for a reason. And if you're starting to sweat because you think I'm going to call on you, good. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Because here's the deal. You guys are going to be put on the spot. You need to know some of this stuff. We talk about these things constantly, and I could just give you the information, but if you don't know where to go in your Bible, that's a problem. So how do you know you even believe in the rapture when you can't even support it? It's very important. Very important. So 1 Corinthians 15. Is it 1 Corinthians 15? Yes, it is. Just asking. Yeah, yeah, all right. And so why would you go to 1 Corinthians 15? And you'd really start in probably, I mean, it describes a lot. We, did, we started off in verse like, you know, 34, 35 to the end of chapter 15, but it really starts to pick up in verse 51. But what does this describe? What does this chapter describe? The new bodies. The new bodies. Yeah. So give me a little bit more. A little bit more. Anybody? Anybody? Haley? Immortal? Is that like the uh, email? <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's where, it's where your fleshly body becomes digital. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. Verse 52 explains it all. Yes. And so what would you, how would you put that in your own words? Like, um, it'll happen really fast. Mm-hmm. And... You'll know because um, the sound and the dead will raise up. Okay, good, good. So whereas 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 gives you the order, 1 Corinthians 15 gives you what? The description. The description, and more specifically, how it's going to happen, all right? So those two, between those two, it'll give you everything that you need to know about the rapture. So if you don't take anything else out of this, I mean, there's some fun things we're going to be talking about this morning. 
those two chapters, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. If you know those two, you'll be able to talk about this with anybody. And you'll know more than most adults when it comes to the rapture. Okay? All right, good, good. All right, so that's our review. All right, so just to kind of run through this, we'll just hit uh, point number three. So we talked a little bit about the rapture. So we talked about how Christ is going to come from heaven into the atmosphere of the earth with a shout and his voice is a trumpet. That trumpet, his voice of God shall sound born again believers out by name. And at the same time, the lost will hear thunder. So there's going to be a worldwide event where Christ comes and he's going to be behind the clouds so they don't see him. And when he calls out by name, he's going to call out your name. Now, I don't know how that's going to work out because, you know, there's like billions of Christians that are dead and alive. And if you start to put them all together, is he going to just say one thing, but then it's going to be heard by all of our ears as our name? It's quite possible. God could do that. Um, Or is he just going to start rattling off people's names and there's going to be a giant thunderstorm? I have no idea. But the entire world's going to hear it, and that's what we know. And the lost people are just going to hear thunder. But you, if you're born again, you're going to hear your name called, which is going to be amazing. It's going to be cool. And then we're going to see the dead in Christ rise first. That's letter C. Those asleep in Christ shall rise first with their glorified bodies. So their bodies are immediately changed. And we talked about people that have been cremated, that God is going to uh, take basically all of those particles and he's going to put them back and reassemble them back together and then give them a glorified body. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I know it's going to work out. The Bible says that God is able to subdue all things to himself, so he's able to do that. People that have been you know, dead at sea are going to pop out of the ocean. Um, I mean, just start thinking about some of that stuff. It's kind of crazy. And so you've got all that. And then uh, those in Christ that are alive and remain shall be changed instantly into their glorified bodies. And then the whole body of Christ shall meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. And then we stopped here at letter F. The judgment seat of Christ takes place for every born-again believer in Christ. So after the whole body of Christ meets the Lord in the air to be with him forever, then we have what's called the judgment seat of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Um, at the very end of this, we're going to see how far we get. But I would also like to talk about like what your glorified body is actually going to look like and function like. I think that'd be kind of cool. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well because I think that's pretty sweet. All right. So after all this happens, Christ comes and he sounds his voice. He calls you out by name and the dead go first and then you follow after. Um, then after that happens and you have what's called the judgment seat of Christ. All right, and that's what happens at Revelation 4.1. But let's go ahead and turn to a couple of these passages. Let's go to first Romans 14. Romans 14. Romans chapter 14. Okay, so Romans chapter 14, let's do verse 10. So they have an issue where they're constantly judging one another and being very critical of each other as if they are Christ themselves. And so Paul is rebuking them and he says, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So basically, and this is a great devotional application, There's a lot of us that can be very judgmental towards one another, especially in our Christian service. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. You've got to be careful that you're not standing in Christ's stead. You're not making judgments based on what Christ has said. 
Like, oh, you're going to lose your reward for that one. I mean, like, who are you? Like, you're not Christ. How in the world are you going to do that? Now, sometimes we joke about that just because we're Laodiceans and we're idiots. But when it comes to those sorts of things, there's certain things only Christ can judge. And so we need to be very, very careful. And this comes down to motives because, and I'll give you an example. There are some decisions that Pastor Tom makes as the leader of this church that I may not necessarily agree with. But it's not against the Bible. It's just something that he chooses to do. And he wants to do something a certain way. And I can't open up a passage of scripture and say, you're violating the scriptures, Pastor Tom. And so you know what I do? I just submit to his authority and say, you know what? Christ is going to judge him based on that decision. I may not agree with it, but I know he's the one in charge and he's the one that's going to have to give an account for that decision. And so I just need to be okay with that. That's what we're talking about here. And so when you see other Christians and they're not necessarily violating the scriptures, but you think they're doing something unwise, be very, very careful because that's not your place. That's not your place. All right. Now it says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is risen, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So while it is true that we we don't have to stand before God and give an account for our sin, you as an individual Christian will have to stand before God and give an account for yourself and for your life that God has given you. Now, what should this do in your heart and in your mind? I mean, think about that. There's going to come a day where you, as a born-again believer, washed by the blood of Christ, that you are going to stand before Jesus Christ and you are going to give an account for your life as a born-again believer. Yes, it should make you want to do good, for sure. To do well. What else? Maybe. How many of you are afraid of that? I am. <laughs> How many are, are afraid? Like you have a little bit of fear that you're going to stand before Christ and give an account for your life. Yes. I mean, you should. If, you, if you're not afraid of that day, okay, either you are Jesus <laughs> or you're, you're just an idiot. I mean, there, this is something that, is, that, that we need to really get into our heads is that I think that sometimes... What we do as, as Christians is that we tend to, well, I'm not as bad as that person and they, they say they're saved. Well, I'm at least doing these sorts of things. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing that bad. I mean, I'm not, okay, no, no, no. It's what 1 Corinthians talks about, that if you compare yourselves among yourselves that you are not wise, you are foolish. You need to understand that you personally, like Christ who died for you, that you're going to stand before him and give an account of your Christian life. The decisions that you made, the decisions that you didn't make. And I'm not talking about sin decisions, but there are certain things that we do as Christians that frankly, they're just not wise decisions. That we ended up wasting a lot of time. There's things that I know I'm gonna have to give an account for, I really don't wanna give an account for. And I know I'm gonna be embarrassed. And so I try to deal with those things now between me and him, so that when we get there, it's not the first time we're talking about it. I'm going to try to repent so that way when I get there, it's not something unresolved. This is very important. Very, very important. So every one of us is going to give, give an account. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just a few pages to your right. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We've gone through this passage several times, and so we'll go through it again. 
and we'll describe it because this day is very, very important. Everything that you do now in this life, the moments that you have ahead of you today, this week, it all goes into the things that we're going to be talking about. And so if you want to stand before God with confidence, now we're still going to be afraid, but it's, you're able to stand before God with a confidence. And that's not like a prideful, selfish thing. That's a, a, a confidence that you know that you have done what God has told you to do. And I think there are many things for each of us in this room. There are things that you know that God wants you to do, and you're just flat out being rebellious. And so I want this kind of a message to be something that stirs in your heart so that way you can get yourself out of that. Because in a way, you're among the dead that need to be awakened. And so we need to think about some of these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Okay. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So your salvation, that is your foundation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And then it kind of continues from there. But this whole, this is, this is what's going to happen. So the moment that you get saved, the moment that you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, that foundation is laid. It's like you have this giant slab and you have Jesus Christ as your foundation. That is your entry ticket into heaven to be with God for all eternity and to take part in God's kingdom in the future. So you have that foundation. But then it says, now if any man build thereupon. Now, what's interesting about that, it says, now if any man build thereupon, okay, or build upon this foundation. If any man build upon this foundation, which means it's not necessary to build on the foundation to be with God for all eternity, right? Because it says if. It's not a requirement to do anything to keep that foundation. That foundation has been given to you and that is secure. But if you build on it, so if God gives you time, like you got the thief on the cross or you got like, you know, people that die right before they go to heaven, they've got the foundation, but they have nothing built on it. Okay, that's what we're talking about. But you guys, the moment you are born again, from that moment forward, you're building something. So you have your foundation, and then from that moment forward, if you want to just chart it like a timeline, you've got your foundation, and then after that, all the decisions that you make, you start making these layers of all these decisions and all these things that you do throughout your entire Christian life. And so then you begin to build on top of that foundation. And so what are our materials? What are they? Just say them. Gold, silver, precious stones. All right, stop there because we've got two categories. You've got the gold, silver, precious stones, and the wood, the hay, and the stubble, okay? So we got gold. Gold. Silver. My brain was moving faster than my hand. <laughs> and precious stones. And then you got on the other side, what is it? Wood, hay, and stubble. Stubble. Stubble, okay. So you have these six materials, okay? Gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. All right. Now, those are your options. It's either one or the other. You either got the gold, silver, and precious stones, or you got the wood, the hay, and the stubble. Now, after that, it says, every man's work shall be made, what is that? Manifest. What does manifest mean? To make known. 
to make known, all right? So your work is going to be made known. Here's how. For the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by, what is that? Fire. 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 I'm sorry. Fire. I just mispronounced it. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay, so you have your foundation, you begin to build these things, and then what if you were to take fire and you just applied it to this whole thing? Fire. <laughs> okay, so now you have fire, and it's applied to those things. What's going to happen? Three are going to burn. What are they going to burn? Stub, the hay, the wood... And what's going to come through? The gold and the silver and the precious stones. You take fire to gold, silver, and precious stones, and what does it do to gold, silver, and precious stones? It refines it. It gets the impurities out of it. That's what it does. But this other stuff, it's gone. Okay, in your Christian life, give me some examples of what are the wood, hay, and stubble, and what are the gold, silver, and precious stones. And I'm talking about in your life specifically, not in general. Well, in Christendom, it is. No, I'm talking about in your life specifically. Let's get real. Let's get honest about this. What are some things in your life that's going to burn? And what are some things in your life that's going to stay? Yep. Wasted time. Doing what? What do you waste time with? Um, just work. Okay. Okay. Good. Yep. Distractions like Netflix. Yep. Distractions like Netflix. Netflix is a big one. Netflix is probably stubble. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It ain't no gold, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Sports. Sports. I think sometimes we spend too much time with sports. Yeah. Sports is a great tool. It's a great tool. There's a lot of things you can learn. You can learn about a lot of aspects of leadership, teamwork, but I think people worship it a little bit too much. What else? Come on, be honest. You're going to have to be honest with God one day, so you might as well do it here in this room in front of everybody. It's going to be more embarrassing to talk to Jesus about it. Yeah, Lydia. I'm sorry. I can't see your hand because it's like... Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some friendships that um, were never worth having. And that's hard to say because we care about people. But sometimes we don't realize it until after the fact. We just don't. What else? Media. <laughs> yes. Oh, Book face. <laughs> Facebook. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a joke from the office. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, yeah. Work. Okay. Yeah, sometimes work. Sometimes we can work too much because we just love money and having money around. Yeah. Sleep. Yes, sleep. Sometimes I think we love sleep a little bit too much. Yeah. Andy's sacrificing that every week. So he, that's not what ain't sold for him. Yeah, Jamie. I'd say like all of the sin that you stay involved in for salvation, whether it's like using foul language, like dirty jokes, like whatever that is, like all of the things that you think is Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, I know we got stuff that's gonna burn. Come on. Yeah. Video games. 
Yes, I was waiting for that one. I know everyone was thinking it. <laughs> Everybody was thinking it. I was just waiting. I was waiting for it. It's true. It's absolutely true. You know, I remember. I remember even back when I had. Um, uh, I think it was when I had the Super Nintendo. They started coming out with like Christian video games. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Yeah, I had this one Christian video game that it was Noah, and you had to go around and collect all the animals and put them in the ark. <laughs> Hey, it was sweet. It was sweet. <laughs> All right, so let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is it possible? Is it possible for discipleship, evangelism, Bible reading, memorizing to be wood hand stubble? If you have the wrong heart attitude towards it, it could be. Absolutely. Everything in your Christian life could become wooden hand stubble, no matter how spiritual you may think it is. Because it's all about your heart attitude. And you guys know this. There are times when you read your Bible, and you read like maybe two chapters, and it's like a miracle, because you haven't read your Bible in like three weeks. And then you didn't really get anything out of it, and it didn't affect your day. If you read God's Word, and you come in here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday, and you hear God's Word being taught, and then you do nothing with it, there's a good chance it's going to become wood, hay, and stubble. Now, God is able to take that and do some amazing things with it, but this is what we're talking about. It all comes back down to the motives of your heart. Because we could even be wasting time maybe seeing a movie, but could seeing a movie or going out with someone actually become gold, silver, and precious stones? Yes. Yeah, it could. Having a terrible friendship with someone that maybe was a waste of time, could that be gold, silver, and precious stones? It could, if you went them to Christ. So there, you need to think about this. It all comes back down to the motives of your heart because it comes down to one question. Does this glorify God? Can you play sports, be involved in music, do well academically, and that become gold, silver, and precious stones? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. What are you doing it for? That's the question. Why are you doing this? Are you doing this because you love you and you want other people to love you? Or are you doing whatever it is because you want people to love Christ and, they, and you want them to see the Lord and you want them to know the gospel? That's what we're talking about. Because I've been in situations where I've convinced myself I can use this for God's honor and glory, but really it was my flesh just wanting to do it. And I just said it, but I didn't actually do it. I think we've all been there. So if you're going to stand before Christ and you're going to give an account for this stuff, this is what we're talking about. These things matter more than anything else. More than anything else in your life, these are the things that matter. Because these are the things that are going to be determining what you do in eternity future. Bobby talked about that on Wednesday. That's what we mean. That, that okay, here, you're born. Boom, all right? And then you get saved. Boom, all right? And then you live the rest of your Christian life. All the things that you did here are determining what in the world God is going to trust you with in eternity future. And I'm telling you, I want to do a good job. Not just because I don't want to be embarrassed. Sure, that's a motivation. That's kind of like a fear element where I don't want to be embarrassed. I want to, I want to, I want to show God I loved him because of the things that I've done. But in eternity future, I want God to be able to entrust to me things that, that are massive. I mean, we, in the scriptures, it talks about those that are faithful. He gives in, in, that he can trust you with like 
10 cities, five cities, one city, that there are cities that are going to be all over the entire universe that he wants to put in your hands for you to manage and control and to work for him and to watch over for him. That would be amazing to be able to do that for God. And then there's other people that are just going to be the, you know, the janitor in New Jerusalem with the dustpan <laughs> cleaning the toilet. So I'm telling you, that's going to be a great job too. It's going to be a great job to have that. But if I had the choice between doing something very menial for God or doing something great for God and his kingdom in the future, I want to do something great for him. He did something great for me. He did something unbelievable for me. Why wouldn't I give up everything for him? And see, every day, every day, I have to shake myself out of my own thinking. I have to. Because if I don't, then I'm going to just go back and keep doing the same things that I've been doing before. You know, I had a great conversation with this kid this past week. And, uh, and, and it was amazing because as I was talking with him, he really, he, you know, he was unsure of his salvation. And so as I was talking with him, I basically asked him because he, he wanted his life, but he wanted the benefits of God. Like he wanted to be able to go to heaven. He didn't want to go to hell. He had all this kind of stuff. But then he wanted his life. He wanted to do the things that he wanted to do. And so then I asked him, I said, do you just love your sin too much? And he's like, I do. I love my sin and I don't want to let it go. I said, okay, here's the problem. You are worshiping the religion of yourself. You're worshiping you. You're doing whatever you want and you don't want anyone telling you what to do. Now, here's the problem. All that stuff, you know where it's going to lead you straight to hell. You are not willing to yield yourself and submit to God to be the Lord of your life and saying, God, whatever you want, I'll do. And because you won't do that, you cannot get saved. It's not possible. It's not possible for him to trust the gospel because what he's doing is he's been completely selfish. He wants his entire life and all the things that he loves and his sin and the things that make him feel good and makes him have a, a great time in, in life and makes him think that he's somebody. But then he's like, but I don't want to go to hell. And, and I do want to have that relationship. I'm like, no, 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 no. You only want a relationship with God because you just don't want to go to hell. That's it. So that tells you that you were never saved to begin with if that's all you wanted. Because you, God is saying all this stuff, gone. I'm willing God to give it all in order to follow you. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. And so where are you at? Where are you at? Because when this judgment seat takes place, you are going to stand before God and you are going to give an account for your life. And your stack is going to be full of as much wood, hay, and stubble as you want it to be. It's your choice. Or gold, silver, and precious stones. And so when that fire hits it, which according to Revelation chapter 1 is the flaming eyes of Christ, when he looks at that and he burns all of it up, how much is going to be left? When you look at your life, you have your, your slab, your foundation of Jesus Christ, you have all your things stacked on it, and you have the eyes of Jesus Christ that come in and it singes everything. What's going to be left? Is it going to be this much? Is it going to be this much? Or is it going to be nothing? And that's a question only you can answer. Because whatever is left over, it's going to become your crowns that you get. And so that's letter G. Crowns are rewarded and thrown back at the feet of Jesus. So there are um, five crowns in the Bible. When you study it out, we won't look at them this morning. But there are five crowns that when you look, when you look them up, that you will receive if there are certain conditions that you meet. So there's no conditions for your salvation, but there is conditions for the rewards that you're going to get. 
So you're going to get these crowns, and then we're going to have the opportunity to throw them back at the feet of Jesus. But the first crown is called the crown of righteousness. And that crown is rewarded to people that look forward to Jesus' appearing. They look forward to it. They can't wait for the day that Jesus comes back. They can't wait. They're so excited for it. Now, let me ask you, how excited are you for Jesus to come back? Like, if you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back in 30 minutes, how excited are you? Or are you thinking, crap, I've got a lot to do in 30 minutes. You can't look forward to his appearing if there's things that are unresolved. Am I right? Or am I crazy? (laughs) So think about that. If there are things in your life that are unaddressed, unresolved between you and Christ and things you know you need to take care of, you can't look forward to his appearing. And so you can't get this crown. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Crown number two, the crown of life. And that is given to people that remain steadfast through temptations. Now, being tempted is not a sin. Being enticed is not a sin. Being drawn away is not a sin. What is a sin? When you give into it. When you give into it. Now, we all give into temptation, but we're talking about there are things in your life that over time they have less and less and less and less control over you. That's what we're talking about. Because we all struggle with temptation and there's things that we've all given into. But can you say honestly that the temptations in my life from when I first got saved until now have less control over me? That I have yielded more of that to Christ and I don't give into those temptations as much anymore? Or have you dealt with some of those things, but now you're here and now you've gone completely backward? And you used to be in a position where you didn't yield, but now you're in a position where you've just given up because you're just in your flesh all the time anyway, and now you've given back into those temptations that you dealt with a while ago. If that's you, you can't get this crown. There's no way. Crown number three, the crown of rejoicing. For believers, you've led to Christ and other believers that you strengthened. So this is solely dependent upon your involvement in the work of the Lord. How many people have you won to Christ that you've shared the gospel and they have been born again as a result. There's some people that are going to have a lot. We call them evangelists. They have the gift of evangelism. I don't know how they do it because <laughs> I'm not an evangelist, but I'm told to do the work of an evangelist. And so when I have the opportunity to give the gospel, I'm going to give it. I'm going to try to do my best. Sometimes I pass over opportunities when I shouldn't. But how many people, has there been anyone, has anyone in your life come to Christ because of you? Now, that's the one side. The other side is, how many other Christians have you helped to strengthen in their walk with Christ? What's that? It's a form of discipleship. You can also disciple other people. Not officially, not like going through the materials. When was the last time you encouraged another Christian in their walk with Christ? What do you need to do to encourage someone in their walk with Christ? Like what kinds of practical things do you need to do in order to encourage someone? and to help strengthen them. And if you don't know, think about it from a physical perspective. Any of you have ever worked out before? Have any of you ever practiced before? How do you get stronger in the things that you do? You push yourself. Yeah, you got to push yourself, but strengthen somebody else. Yell at them encouraging words. Yell at them encouraging words. Walk with Jesus! 
Yeah, there you go. That's the Andy approach. No, that's Aaron Stanley. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You're a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You better walk with Jesus, or you're gonna burn. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yes, wife. No, they're going to. We just got to create the awkward silence for them okay, to do so it. so strengthening other believers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, checking in on them, like, consistently. Praying for them. Um, sharing scripture with them. Going out with them. Just loving somebody goes a long way. Just mm-hmm. showing someone that you care about them, I feel like, is a picture of Christ. Because people are selfish, and we all just want to, like, take care of ourselves and our business and we forget about other people but when someone like takes time to like love you that goes a long way and it's a perfect picture of Christ mm-hmm. um, I mean you can just keep going yeah Go ahead. like leading by example mm-hmm. sure absolutely yeah because if you're going to talk to somebody about their Christian walk what do you got to be doing <laughs> you got to be walking in I mean have you ever walked into a gym and you've seen an obese trainer yes actually how many people are going to want to follow the example of a trainer that's not willing to do it themselves what what do you got it made me think when i worked at the hospital and i worked with all the cardiologists there was one who i'm not kidding you like he was so close to death but he rode one of those wheelie carts and he was so overweight and he was a cardiologist telling people how to take care of their hearts and his motto was do as I say and not as I do yeah that doesn't work with Jesus <laughs> that does not that does not work that does not work yeah when I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, there's tough love. There you go. All right. All right. Okay. All right. So, all right, go ahead. Um, I think gentle, like, review of somebody that you care about. When you see them heading down a path and you know they're a believer and you know they're headed for destruction, just saying, like, hey, like, I'm worried about you because of this. I care about you, and I care about your walk with Jesus, and this is concerning to me, and I'm I'm afraid for you. I think this is unwise. Like, where are you at? What are you doing? Can I help you? Can I keep you accountable? Like, that accountability thing for other people is really huge. Um, and just, like, calling it out in a gentle manner, not necessarily beating them Stealing in the head, but I mean, I think there's two different ways you can do it. Depending on the personality of the other person, it might need to come out a little bit stronger. But in general, that gentle rebuke to say, like, listen, I love you, I care about you. Like we do with our kids. Like we love our kids, and so we say, like, I don't want you to do that because I see you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So don't jump off of that tree branch because you're going to get hurt. So same thing in your Christian walk. Like, don't head down this path. Don't hang out with these people. Don't start looking at these things online or whatever because it's going to lead you down a path yeah. Care too much about your walk with the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, that is a huge edifier for a believer. And being a person who was saved and walked away and came back, the people who said, like, listen, Jamie, like, you should be doing this, even if I didn't listen to them at first, those were the people that really, 
Like those were the first voices I heard in my head when I was making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's how I came back around to Christ because those people were faithful to say, you're an idiot. You need to come back. Mm-hmm. See, when um, I say that, it's all love. I know. It's the tone. It's the tone, Andy. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit different. But even if they don't hear you in the beginning, I'm telling you, those yeah. are the voices that stick. Yeah. And that's what matters. It might yeah. be a month, it might be a year, it might be 10 years, but that's what sticks. Yeah. And I think on a daily, so let me, let me ask you this question, and you guys can give me a raise of hands if this is you. How many of you send a text message every day? I know I do. Okay, all right. Some of you don't, and that's cool. That's fine. Um, all right, so when it comes to communication, whether it's a text message, or how have you hung out with someone this past week? You've just gone out and you've done something with somebody. Okay, we've got a few with the social life. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> okay, so... When those things happen, have you ever thought about using those venues as a way to try to help encourage one another? When was the last time that when you texted somebody, you asked them, hey, I was just thinking about you. What can I be praying for you about? That's a genius way to do it. It's very easy to do. It's very, very easy to do. Or when you're out hanging out with somebody. I mean, this is part of... of, of it's kind of the weird, awkward transition, but like if you're talking with somebody, it's like, hey, how are things going spiritually with you? I mean, just asking that question. I mean, even when you're talking to somebody, like even last night, we were at the daddy-daughter dance and there's this guy across the table and he was a talker. Um, but I got to talk with him a lot. And, um, and so I asked him, what do you do? What work do you do? And he's like, I work for the post office. I'm like, oh, awesome. And then I know what he's going to ask me next. What's he going to ask me? What do you do? Yes, that's like a great in for me. So then I tell him, he's like, oh, okay. And then he just moved on to something else. I'm like, dang it. All right, so then I've got to try to figure out a different way. But I'm thinking about him because I know this guy is probably lost. And so I'm like, is there anything that I can do? And so I'd mention this and I'd mention that. And I'd mention about how we're going to lose an hour of sleep tonight. And we still have to get up for church in the morning. Oh, what time does your services start? And I tell him. And then he moves on to something else. I'm like, so I keep trying over and over again. But I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about his spiritual walk. And I'm telling you, if you're not walking with God, you're not thinking about people's spiritual walk. You're just not, because you're not. You're not thinking about your own, so why would you think about anybody else's? When we need to be thinking about that, this is some of the most important things that people neglect. Christians neglect this stuff. I mean, if you're born again, you have the most prized, like, message, possession thing that could revolutionize someone's life. You have inside of you the Spirit of God and the gospel that could take this person who's on the road to hell and lead them to heaven. Like, does that mean anything? That's huge. That is massive. And we walk around, well, I just, I, I'm just embarrassed. I just don't, I'm, I don't, I don't want to offend them. Are you kidding? They're headed to hell. They're headed to hell. Condemnation, separation from God for all eternity. That is where they're going. I'm sorry if the gospel is just a little bit inconvenient. It might actually change their life. They might actually thank you for it. And you're so obsessed with your little things that make you happy. Mm, I mean, this is like, this is one of those things where it's like, for people that are so blinded by it, they just, they can't see it. And I think it's just sin that just, that just 
just puts calluses on their eyes and on their heart and they don't get it and they need the bible they need a church that they can go to where they can hear stuff like this in order to shake some of this crap off of them so they can actually do something for the lord because there are millions and billions of people that are dying and going to hell and you're just passing over all these opportunities and then we're going to stand before christ and we're going to look at him eye to eye the man that died for them the man that died for you, but died for them. And we just, we were too afraid. We were too afraid to be obedient. We were too afraid to let go of sin. We were too afraid to, to be slightly inconvenienced in our own life in order to be more godly so we could walk with God and actually be a benefit to people in our society rather than contributing to the nonsense that's already occurring. I mean, you have got to understand your role is so important it is so important in this whole thing. You, you guys think very little of yourselves, very little on a spiritual front. When you have no idea that you could change everything, everything. And you need to knock it off. You need to stop thinking this way about yourself. You can change a family by changing one person and that one person changing another person. We live so defeated and we're getting nothing done. And we're building up this wood, hay, and stubble that means nothing. It means nothing. Nothing. Your future career means nothing if you're not doing it in light of Christ. Your future relationships, your future spouse, your future kids mean nothing unless you're doing it within the backdrop of Jesus Christ. It means nothing. Think, please. Think for the sake of God and the people around you. Please think. This day matters. It's so much more than the neat events of the rapture. We're talking about the culmination of your entire life and all the potential that you can unfold for Jesus Christ. And don't think for a moment that you don't matter. You are critical. There are people that you can reach that no one else can reach. I don't care if you're, you have weird social anxieties or you're super outgoing and everybody loves you. It doesn't matter. People that are super outgoing can never reach other people that have social anxieties. It's just not possible. I mean, there might be like a one in a million chance, and don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying as far as a generality, if you have social awkwardness, you can reach people that no one can touch by just a simple one-on-one conversation and being stupid and awkward with them. You know what I mean? And for those of you that are super outgoing, you have the opportunity to reach many, 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 many people on a surface level. And that's very good. But what if you complimented those two? What if we as a group, because we're all mixed here. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of different personalities. There's some of you that are super outgoing and you can make lots of waves over lots of people. But then there's some of you that are really good one-on-one. And as those waves are stirring among the hearts of people, you could meet with them one-on-one and reach them like that other person never could. It's called the body of Christ for a reason. And that's why we need each other. This is why we need each other. So important. So important. All right, that's crown three. Crown four. The crown of glory. This is for godly leaders who lead God's people. And this is a crown that's specifically for pastors. But I also believe that this is also going to be given to people that are not pastors. Because I know pastors that ain't getting this one. I do know a few. Just from my experience, my short life thus far. But I think there are some people that are pastors without the title that are going to get this, that are going to get this crown. I think that. 
for godly leaders who lead God's people well. They shepherd. They lead them. They, they feed them. They take care of them. It's very important. I think you as a disciple maker, if you're faithful, you might be able to get that crown. And then lastly, incorruptible crown. This is for believers that do not yield to their fleshly lust. And probably the best example that I can give for this one is Lot. So what did Lot do? He had a lot. Ah, ah. That was dumb. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did Lot do? It's in the book of Genesis. He was with Abraham, and then he left, and he went to Sodom. Sodom. All right. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then later on in his life, he was in Sodom, and then he ended up being in the gate of Sodom. So it's the progression of sin, down, 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 just like Job. Not like Job. Sorry, Jonah. I was thinking about Jonah. All right. So, Lot. And it says specifically in Genesis that he vexed his soul every day day every day he lived in the midst of a people that were very lusty very fleshy and they were very just carnal and they only cared about themselves and what made them feel good and he did jack he did nothing he did absolutely nothing in order to reach them for god's sake nothing and in doing so he vexed his soul every single day so this type of a crown believers that do not yield to their fleshly lusts that you've come to the point in your life where you're saying, my flesh is not going to control me any longer. My flesh is not going to control me. I'm not going to let it. I'm going to submit to God and yield to him, and I'm going to follow his lead. So that's the incorruptible crown. So the judgment seat of Christ is massive. It is very, very, very important. And I wanted to take a little bit of extra time talking about that this morning because I think it is vitally important. And I want you to always remember, always remember, you guys are so important in the work of the Lord. You are so important. I don't care about your age. I don't care about your background. I don't care about your personality. Every single one of you are so important to the work of the Lord. And you need to stop neglecting some of these things you've been neglecting for quite some time on your spiritual life. And you need to actually start having a heart for the people around you. Because when you die, it's going to be the only thing that matters. The only thing. And if you're involved in stuff right now, like with music or sports or academics... Have a change of perspective. Change your mind. Change the way you think about it. Use it for God's sake. Stop using it for your own. You use it for your own and it's going to amount to nothing. Nothing. Just a giant waste of time. A giant waste of time. I don't care how good you are. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If you're not doing it for the Lord, you're doing it for no one. Like you might be doing it for you, but it doesn't mean anything. I mean, gather all the riches and all the accolades in this world. And then when you get to stand before Christ, you have nothing because it all burn up. What does it mean? What did it matter for all eternity? What did it matter? It didn't. Don't make that mistake. Don't make that mistake. So let's have a heart for people this week. Let's do something a little bit different and start praying for the people around you. And maybe there's a guy in here or a girl in here that you can reach and just say, hey, how can I pray for you this week? Or something. Or when you guys, like we're going to start tonight. When, we, when we're together tonight for the movie night, if you haven't signed up, please come. I don't care. I mean, we've got a certain number that we're prepared for, but please come. We got a movie tonight that's going to go right in the line with the stuff we talked about this morning. And it's, it's, a, it's a little bit older, kind of corny, but I like it. It's going to be really, really good. It's got a good message. Invite someone to come tonight if you can, even if it's the last minute. I'd love to have a problem where we don't have enough food. We'll order some extra pizzas. We'll get them to come. I mean, it'll be fun. All right? So tonight is a great opportunity, but this week is an even better opportunity for you to be reaching some people. So think about this stuff. Please don't ignore it. All right, let's pray.
God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray that we would take these things to heart and we would realize what's in front of us, our future, our eternity. And that when we stand before you and it would cause us to make different decisions, not for our sake, but for yours and for the people around us. Our life can be a gift to this world, this lost and dying world that's bound for hell. It can be a gift and it can change everything. So I pray that we would see that and that we would believe that and that we obey it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep.